This morning I'll be reading Acts 2, verses 38 through 41. Acts 2, 38 through 41. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Good morning. It's a blessing to be together this morning. I think I usually say that, but I think it's an exceptional blessing this morning to have a few from other congregations with us. Glad that you're with us. And I pray this message will be edifying to you. So last week we talked about uh, the need for forgiveness, uh, to forgive others as we've been forgiven. And that's the theme here this week and this month in the, in the Dean Road congregation. So I thought it fitting this morning for us to look at the subject of repentance, something that's often overlooked and sometimes many, in many ways cut out of the gospel and ignored. Many people will jump from faith to baptism very quickly. And then we look and see examples in the Bible of the preaching of repentance. And when Christ came in this world, he preached repentance. In other words, change your mind. That's what literally what repentance means in Greek. Change your mind. And then the scriptures are adamant. Change your mind in what way? Against sin, against evil to turn from it. So as we go to the scriptures, I want to think about that again. I think a lot of times when it comes to the subject of evangelism, we feel uncomfortable with the concept of saying repent. And I think in, in, in the front of a storm and disaster, repentance is a word that, I don't know, I found it very inviting. It's both humbling and yet comforting at the same time. You know that God's invitation is never gone, and I can change. I can change my mind. I can change uh, the way that I've been living my life and focusing on myself. This morning, I hope that these words will encourage you as we look and what the Bible has to say. And when we think about proclaiming the gospel and teaching others, that we don't hide the concept of forgiveness. While a great feast in Levi's house, remember that the last of Jesus' disciples that he called to follow him was Matthew or Levi. And as we read that account in the gospel of Matthew, we see that Jesus is gathered in his home for a great feast And while they're there, this is the time when the Pharisees and the lawyers say, look at this man, he eats with sinners. He eats with tax collectors. And Jesus revealed to them that those who are well are in no need of physicians, those who are sick. And he says this, I have come to not call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That is Christ's mission. He came and is a part of it is to call us to repent, to change the way that we think, to change our hearts. There have been a number of times when I've examined my life and I've sat down. And it's often been in the time of a storm to hear the thunder, to hear the power of God, to know who He is, and to think, is my life right? Am I living for me or am I living for God? I encourage you this morning as we think about that, and maybe you don't, but I think it's good for us to examine ourselves regularly. Say, do I need to change? Do I need to repent? As we think about the concept of repentance, we see that it's a part of Christ as His proclamation, His preaching, and His teaching. We see that here in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The very beginning of Jesus' ministry in Mark, 
This is what we read. Jesus proclaimed the gospel of God. How did he proclaim the gospel of God? He said this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. This is the fulfillment. And then he says, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. And to those who are Jews and are hearing him, I think it's fascinating here that he puts repentance and names it before belief. And what we're going to see in the scriptures is that the two are very much more connected than what we might think. And oftentimes when it struggles in our faith may involve us repenting and putting away sin. On the other hand, the struggle to repent may require that we grow in our faith, that we read the scriptures and we listen to Christ. We see this at the end of Jesus' ministry. After he's been resurrected, he reveals to his disciples and he says this. This is the Great Commission according to Luke. Luke 24, 46, and 47. He says, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins, should be proclaimed in his name. And notice the forgiveness in his name. Baptism always in Jesus' name name, in the name of the Father, and Son, and Spirit, should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. It's a part of the gospel. When we're pleading with the world to repent, to obey the gospel, to hear the truth, we should be calling them to repent. There's so many who have compromised that today. Well, the world and society tells us that we can't do that because it sounds judgmental. It doesn't sound tolerant. It might offend somebody, but that's what we do when we proclaim the gospel. It's a time to change, change our minds, change our hearts, to turn away from sin, to follow Christ and to focus on him. And I will not be ashamed of saying that we need to be telling the world to repent. I'm not ashamed of that. Yes, the world needs to repent. All people need to change to come to Christ. The world today wants us to say, well, everything's okay. Everything's acceptable. Everything is fine. Repentance is a part of it, and it's necessary for forgiveness of sins. Acts 3 and verse 19, again, Peter is preaching there, and he says, he, he says right there, repent and turn back, and your sins will be blotted out. Acts 3 and verse 19. I plead with you this morning as we think about these things and the seriousness of life, that we consider repentance, and we think about it more. And we're sharing the gospel today. It's not simply saying, look what Jesus did for you, and, and it, it is that. Christ died, and he's buried, and he rose again. But what he did was to come and call us to repentance, to faith in him, and that by having belief and confessing that faith and repenting, we can be buried with Christ and rise up in the newness of life. People do not come to Christ, a lot of them don't, because they do not want to repent. People can see it from the distance. What you're asking me to do is to listen to Christ and to follow him with all my heart, and that's going to change everything. We as Christians need to be doing that. I remember one of my missions professors at Fried Hardeman, he talked about how when he was in Cameroon, he would proclaim the gospel from the back of a truck. Many people would obey it and they would be baptized. And he said, but only about 50% would remain faithful. He said, when I started preaching and telling them that and emphasizing repentance and counting the cost for becoming a Christian, the baptisms didn't drop. But those who were baptized, 95% of them remained true because they counted the cost. He said, so I would preach Luke 14, preach the emphasis and the need that this means real change. Your life is going to change. And we need a reminder of that today. Why did I repent? Did I count the cost? Did I not know that I had to give my life as a living sacrifice to God? 
Why do our friends and family refuse to repent or to believe? We're going to look at that this morning a little bit closer in the Scriptures. And Jesus tells us why. He tells us why people are reserved about it, why they stay away from Him, why they don't come to the light, because they love the works of darkness and where they live. And so what does the world hear when they hear repent? The world hears many times judgment. The world hears, I need to give something up. I need to change. And that's absolutely right. That's why we need to be proclaiming repentance. That's why we need to be telling each other and reminding each other this is what it's for. We've given our life to this. Constantly examining ourselves, seeing if we need to repent, change our mind and our hearts, and to turn away from sin, recommit ourselves to Christ. The call to repent is an act of love. To tell someone else to repent and to command it as a part of the gospel is an act of love. You have a brother and sister in Christ who says to you, repent, listen to them. Consider what they're saying. If you're in sin, repent. Know why they're doing it. This is what Jesus said in Revelation 3 and verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Last week, we read the words of Christ as he says that if anybody comes to you and they repent and they confess the repentance, you must forgive them. So we do that. We look at this morning, it is an act of love to be calling out to this world and saying, repent. I think about John the Baptist as he came proclaiming the word. He said, repent. He said the ax was laid at the root of the tree. Now is the time. Now is the time to come to God and to follow him. And even in that course, John the Baptist lost his head by calling Herod to repent. We still do this, and we do it out of love. I want, if you have your Bible this morning, open up to John chapter 3. And let's take a look at this. It's going to be our exposition right here. We're going to make some observations from the text in John 3, verses 16 through 21. I know we're familiar with John 3, 16. Were you familiar with the passages behind it that are often forgotten? I think these are very helpful for us to understand others. Why is it that we can simply lay out the gospel, lay it out in all of its evidence and glory, and present it to our family and friends when we wonder, why don't they repent? Why don't they come to Christ? And I think this passage is very helpful to us to realize that it's more than just saying, believe, but that faith is going to require that you repent. John chapter 3, look here in verse 16 down to verse 21. Here we have Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. And he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Listen to this. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Listen to this. He says, and this is the judgment. The light has come in the world. And if you've read John before, you know that's talking about Christ. Christ has come in the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Why do they not come to Christ? Why do they not believe? Why do they not come to the light? Because their works are evil. We're going to examine ourselves. Why is it that I'm struggling with my faith? Am I also struggling with sin? I told you before about a preacher who presented the gospel. A young man came up to him and said, yeah, I hear everything you're saying, but I still don't believe. And the preacher knew him and knew his life and knew that he had a new girlfriend. And he said, he just plainly said to him, are you sleeping with your girlfriend? And he lowered his head, walked away. 
He knew why the reason he was resisting and why he wasn't believing wasn't because of the gospel and the nature of it and the teaching of it. It was because he didn't want to give up his sin. Look at verse 20. Jesus says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. We've got to be willing to allow ourselves to be exposed. God, humble me. Take this sin away from me. Expose these things. Verse 21, but whoever does what is true, notice that whoever does what is true comes to the light and so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So when we think about faith and repentance, when you think of when we're proclaiming the gospel, when we're holding to it and thinking of it in truth, when we're thinking about why we're doubting or why we're struggling in sin, when I'm struggling with sin, then I consider my faith and the strength of it. And when I'm struggling with my faith to consider whether I'm living in sin, those things are going to go hand in hand as they do with conversion. But God sent his only son in the world, not to condemn it, but to save it from death and to give it eternal life. And the reason that people do not come to the light and they remain in darkness is because they love the works of evil. People don't, do not come to the light because their works are evil. But those who do the true work, those are the ones that come to Christ. Evil does hinder faith in Christ. In fact, we'll look at some more passages about this. Christ and the apostles, they linked faith and repentance as dependent on one another. And Acts 20, as Paul is proclaiming there and talking about taking the gospel to all the world, that they proclaimed repentance and faith. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about the elementary doctrine of Christ, which means repentance from evil works and faith toward God. They're together, and many times they're dependent on the other. How can Christians, how can we use this today? How can we use this to plead with others to realize that those who are not believing that there's something else going on there? Those who are struggling with sin, that their faith needs to be strengthened and be encouraged. We look in the Bible and we see this. The Bible tells us how to encourage that. Number one, speak to people of the kindness of God. God's merciful. He loves you. He wants you to be saved. God's patient toward us, wanting all to come to repentance. Romans 2 and verse 4. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. And then we read this. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 25 says, To be gentle when you oppose and you convict those who are in disagreement, that God may grant them repentance. We want to be gentle. And we still want to proclaim and tell the world, we've got to repent. You've got to, be, you've got to repent to be saved. It is necessary and essential. I want to look a little bit closer at some of the things that Jesus said here. Why did Jesus denounce the cities of Chorazin and Bethsaida for not repenting? Well, we see what happened there. This is what we read about in Luke 10 and verse 13. Jesus says, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you and had been done in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. What is Jesus saying? He's saying to them, a greater prophet is coming to this world, and here I am. And you've seen the wonders and the works that I've done. And later they're going to accuse him of doing these things by the demons. They're going to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, those who opposed Christ. And he says, woe to you, you cities today. If I'd done these things before Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. And it's striking. As we continue to look at some of the things Jesus revealed about repentance, he gave the account of the rich man and Lazarus. And there Abraham revealed that the wicked would not repent even if someone would rise from the dead. We get a little bit of a picture of that as well in Luke chapter 11, verses 29 and 32. So we're going to take a look at this passage as well. 
If you have your Bible, open there to Luke 11, 29, 32. This is what I observe in the text. Jesus declared the generation as an evil generation. He says this generation will only receive the sign of Jonah, and that is the Son of Man three days and three nights in the earth. He says, listen to this. He says, the queen of the south, the queen of Ethiopia, came and sought up Solomon for his wisdom. And the men of Nineveh, when they heard Jonah just walking through the streets preaching, repent, listen to him, a statesman from Israel who didn't want to go to the Assyrians, didn't like them, but walked through that city of Nineveh calling out repentance. And that struck them so that they repented. And Jesus says, those men will rise. They will be resurrected on the final day. And on that day of resurrection, they're going to condemn this evil generation for not repenting because of the wonderful things that Christ has done, and most of all, that he would rise from the dead. Look with me in Luke chapter 11, and let's read that passage. Luke 11, verses 29 and following, 29 to 32. It says, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say to this generation, is an evil generation. Can we say the same thing about now in the United States? the nation that's rising up. This is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Christ is here. He's going to rise from the dead. Yet we look today, Jesus condemns them. He says, you don't repent. Even for seeing signs and hearing the greatest prophet ever come, the Messiah, the Christ, you don't repent. So we reflect on these things this morning. Let's apply it now specifically to us in the church. Listen to what the Hebrew writer says, what Paul says in Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. He says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. And many people wouldn't describe an unbelieving heart like that today. Oh, that's their right. They can believe whatever they want. The Bible says to not believe is to have an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Why is it that he has to warn Christians of this? Because it's a real threat to us. It's a real thing the church faces is to fall away because of an evil, unbelieving heart. And he says this, what do you do? Was the church, we need one another. He says, but exhort one another every day, encourage one another, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Notice that, the unbelieving heart connected with the deceitfulness of sin. It's still a threat. It's still something that, had to be warned against in the Christians then, and it's something we've got to warn each other now and exhort one another. Don't be deceived. Don't be pulled away by the world and what the world says. Return to Christ. Listen to Him. Listen to the apostles and prophets. Humble yourselves before God, and if you need to repent, do it. He says, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. That's the truth. Hold your confidence. Hold to Christ to the very end. Here's the truth this morning. The gospel is still a call for sinners to repent. It's still a message true to the, that saving message today, the power of God for salvation, that we still plead with people to repent. And as Christians, we'll never compromise repentance. We'll never give up the repentance is necessary for the forgiveness of sin. As we reflect upon Christ and what he's done for us, 
Continue to be compelled by love to Him to repent. This morning, if you need to repent, do it. We plead with you to do that. Jesus pleads for those who are in sin to repent because He loves them. And we do the same. This morning, if you're struggling with sin, repent. If you're struggling with your faith, consider the state of your life. In Acts 2, as we had read this morning, Brother Gene read to us, Acts 2, 38, 41. Peter proclaimed that we must repent and be baptized in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of sins. And he told them then, do this and escape this wicked generation. This morning, if you need to repent, you need to put on Christ in baptism, do it. That's the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ, that we die to our sins, be buried in waters of baptism, and rise up in the newness of life. If you need prayers this morning, you need comfort, we encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing. Please come.